Good to be here together this morning. A bit fresh getting up, was it? A bit cold? I was filling up the um, uh, tank yesterday, the car, and there was some poor bloke next to me. I was reasonably well-dressed, but there was some poor bloke next to me in a T-shirt and shorts. And you know how the wind just fires down that there's cold spots and he was literally doing this anyway good times i said to him as i walked off in my jacket see you buddy um well friends we're going to continue our series on peter so we're, we're following his um i keep on saying his adventures but that's probably a funny way to put it but anyway you know what i mean we're looking at uh, acts chapter four and it's one of peter's speeches uh, so it'll be really helpful to have open your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to jump up and grab one or use your phone if you've got your Bible on your phone or an iPad or something like that. Um, and there's an outline there also on, uh, in your bulletin, which is very simple. Um, I'm gonna, it's a fairly simple sermon, I'm hoping. I uh, hope you'll follow it very easily. All right, it is good to be together, friends, and it's, uh, it's great to meet as God's people and sit around his word uh, and, um, and hear what God has to say. Why don't we pray together and ask God to help us to, to listen carefully and, and put his words in practice. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word today. We pray that as we look into it, that you would, um, oh Lord, you'd be speaking through me and, uh, and help me to be faithful to your word. And Lord, help us to listen with open hearts and minds. And as Jesus said, put your words into practice. Um, Lord, we thank you for church. We thank you for today. Amen. Does opposition to the gospel work? Does opposition to the gospel work? Does it succeed in silencing the message of Jesus? In other words, does persecution do what it's designed to do? That is, stop the gospel spreading? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yes. If you don't believe me, I'll give you an example. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't speak about Jesus because you were scared of what might happen next? Opposition can be effective, can't it? It can. Sometimes it silences the gospel. So we keep our mouths shut because uh, we fear there might be some sort of pushback. We fear them we might be opposed. We fear we might be persecuted because of our faith. And so we stay silent. If you've never been in that situation, I want to talk to you. You are amazing. I figure most of us have. See, the truth is, people are threatened by the gospel, the message of Jesus. That's why they want it silenced. And that truth was the same in Peter's day as it is in our day today. Now, the account we read a moment ago from Acts chapter 4 that Sienna read for us finds Peter and John on trial in Jerusalem. Uh, they face the same court, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court, that only a matter of weeks, probably uh, between four and six weeks earlier, Jesus faced that same court. And we all know how that ended, don't we? So Peter and John are there. Uh, Acts 3 tells us because of the healing of a crippled man and, uh, and the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, uh, this Jesus from Nazareth who is risen from the dead. That's why they're there. 
in front of that court. Now, it's the scene, that, that, that healing scene of the crippled man. You, if you've been around churches uh, for a little while, I grew up, um, my parents were Christians and uh, are Christians still. And um, I grew up going to church. I didn't become a Christian until I was sort of mid-teens. Uh, but I remember this, this memory of a song that, that this... A song was written about this scene and it, and it went, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for arms and he held out his palms and this is what Peter did say. You know what, I'm not singing, I'm just speaking the words. Silver and gold have I none, but, that, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now this is where it got exciting because if you know the song, um, there were some actions with it. Now, I'm not going to make you do the actions because I want church to be a place where you feel comfortable and not humiliated. But I'm going to do the actions. So then it went, and, and this is, can you imagine a whole church doing this? Uh, then he went walking, and then he had to jump. Everyone jumped, and then praising God. The hands went up, and that was the, that was the song. So, so he went walking and leaping and praising God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There you go. And if, you, if you're not sure of the song and you want to get to know it, I'm going to be hanging around the front here afterwards. If you want to sing it with me, I'll get my guitar and we'll go for it. Um, I don't imagine I'll have many takens. Anyway, that's the scene. And that healing of that crippled man is why we, why we find Peter and John uh, in front of the Sanhedrin and the preaching of the gospel as well. So we're going to pick things up from chapter 4, verse 1. So if you've got a Bible there, 4 verse 1, it's the first point on our outline. Uh, the gospel is opposed and growing. I've got to make sure this is on. You know what? Is that uh, plugged in there, John? I'm not having any luck there, actually. This is not working for me. Let's try again. Ah, there it is. Okay. First point, opposed and growing. Acts chapter 4 verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So this is while Peter spoke uh, to the people, these, these onlookers, after this miracle occurred. Verse 2, they were greatly disturbed by the apostles, uh, sorry, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening they put them in jail until the next day. So the Sadducees saw Peter and John as heretics. They, uh, they were greatly disturbed or annoyed, are really angry, are really angry. From their point of view, Peter and John were teaching a false message about God. And this was their turf, by the way. The Sadducees' turf was the, the temple grounds and the surrounds. That's their bit, their turf. They were muscling in, preaching the false gospel on their turf, they, they, they uh, thought. The Sadducees, uh, they, theologically, they denied that on the last day there would be a general resurrection from the dead, of which Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits, uh, picking up the Apostle Paul's lingo, which is, why, which is what Peter and John were preaching. They were preaching Jesus resurrected from the dead and that one day we too, as Christian people, will be like Jesus um, uh, when he returns. The Sadducees were wealthy, but wealthy aristocrats, very uh, set apart. They were, they, and they also accused the apostles of, of destabilising the relationship between the Jews and the Romans. Remember, the Israel at that time was, was run by the Romans. And so the apostles were accused of destabilising that relationship. The Sadducees were the most tight with the Roman authorities, uh, 
the accusation was that they were too tight. They worked with them rather than set apart from them. And all this meant, in the end, they felt threatened. The Sadducees felt threatened. So they arrest Peter and John, who spend the night in the lockup and they await their fate. But as these Jewish leaders attempt to silence the gospel, as Peter and John face trial at the Sanhedrin, as these followers of Jesus are persecuted for preaching the gospel, what's the effect of this opposition? Well, you'd think fewer followers, wouldn't you? All that going on? Well, surely the you wouldn't want to be a follower of Jesus, get thrown up in front of the, hauled up in front of the Sanhedrin. You'd expect maybe fewer churches even. Uh, less preaching of the gospel if all this is going on. Well, what do we read? Verse 4. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men, that's not including women and children, grew to about 5,000. The church kept growing and growing. It's quite unexpected, isn't it? I do wonder how Peter and John felt that day. I have no doubt the memories would still be raw. See, being hauled up in front of the Sanhedrin. Now, they were a powerful group of people. If you can imagine the setup, this court, probably between 70 and 100 people, mostly high priests, many Sadducees. Uh, that they, they were in a, they, they, it was set out in a, in a horseshoe-type semicircle uh, way and Peter and John standing right there in the middle. It, it wouldn't have got any more intimidating and any more threatening than that. And, of course, this is where Jesus stood. Not that long ago. This is where he was beaten, spat upon and accused and... and and, of course, this is where he was sentenced to death. And this is also where Peter, just a little while back, watched on. Sitting to the side with the guards, waiting to see what would happen to Jesus. And it's where the gospel was silenced. Here, Peter was asked whether he was with Jesus and remember what he said? He said, or he was asked, are you one of them? Are you a Galilean? Are you with Jesus? But he denied it. In fact, he denied it three times, didn't he? Persecution was effective. Well, I wonder how it will go for Peter today at the Sanhedrin. Will the gospel be silenced? Let's have a look at verse 5. The next day, the rulers, elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. Now, we'll just pause for a minute there. Annas uh, was the high priest before Caiaphas. Caiaphas was actually the high priest at that time. Caiaphas was Annas's son-in-law. And so what's Annas doing there again? Well, he's still called the high priest, interesting enough, but he's practicing he's not the high priest. Caiaphas was the high priest. But he's come back. He's come back to, to check on his work, I suppose. He's come back to make sure the gospel is silenced. He's come back to make sure that Christianity is dead and buried because that's what he tried to do five, six, whatever it was, weeks ago. John, Alexander and the other members of the high priest family were there. Uh, verse 7, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? 
How would you have answered that question if you were there? What would you have said? Well, verse 8 tells us of a mighty work of the Holy Spirit. As Peter now speaks, it's quite the contrast to the last time Peter was in this court's vicinity. Look at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is, quoting from Psalm 118, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in nowhere, no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Friends, do you know how the gospel is defended? Do you know how the gospel is defended? It's defended by being proclaimed. That's how the gospel is being, is being uh, is defended. Do you know someone who's against the gospel? Probably do. Uh, against Jesus. Maybe it's a, it's a, a workmate or a family friend or whatever it might be. Work out a way so they can hear the gospel. Work out a way. Work out a way so they can hear the message of Jesus. The one, he's the only way to be saved, to know God. That he's the only way to be forgiven. That only through him can we have eternal life. Only through him can we be spared the wrath of God. For Peter says, for that same power that healed that crippled man is the same power that raised Jesus and is that same power that saves you and I and anyone else who believes in him. You know, the challenge in our world, is the world we live in, is I think... Um, it's like we live in a bit of a supermarket. Imagine that for a minute, a supermarket aisle, okay? You're walking down, it's a supermarket of religions and worldviews. Now, many of those religions and, uh, and worldviews, they look attractive and there's fancy packaging and all that sort of thing as we wander down, which makes them look appealing and makes you feel good. And we're even told that we can throw as many of these worldviews and religions into the same basket, and it really doesn't matter what you believe in and what you throw in there. It's just, it, just so long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. But the problem is, as Peter explains and as Jesus makes very, very clear, when you come to the checkout of life, only one name gets you through, and that's the name of Jesus. It's the only Jesus saves. There's no other name that can save. Well, Peter and John's courage to speak does not go unnoticed, especially since these two were unschooled, ordinary men. That just means they weren't trained to speak in the Sanhedrin, and so they were surprised. They were like Jesus, weren't they? That they which makes sense because they had been with Jesus. Let's go to verse 15. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are, we going to ask, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any, any further among these people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in his name. 
What will the Sanhedrin do, they ask, in verse 14? See, this man had been healed. Uh, well, there's nothing really they can say. That, that, it's pretty hard to criticise. Everyone knew what was going on. What do they do? Well, they confer together. And then they say, well, to stop this thing from spreading any further, we must warn these men to speak no longer. See, friends, I reckon these verses here in verses 15 to 17 is a good example of the nature of opposition to the gospel. See, what do you notice? You notice that they didn't take time to work out whether they thought it was true or not. They didn't sit down together and say, you know what, let's weigh up the evidence. Let's have a look at this. Uh, let's, let's talk to some other eyewitnesses. No, they didn't do that at all, did they? They didn't consider whether they've made a mistake. No, no, it was simply stop this thing from spreading, silence it. That's what it was. You see, opposition to Jesus, opposition to the gospel of Jesus, more often than not, is about someone's heart. It's not about reasoning or any sense of rational thought. It's not that they've sat down and worked out the reasons for Jesus being false or that the gospel is harmful. No, no, it's just something in the human heart that rises up and opposes this message. So what to do? What do we do? How do we respond to that? Well, perhaps there's an answer in the next few verses. See if you can spot it. Verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. See, that's old, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, I think the point there is not about how old he is. The point there is, about, is that many people for many years, all his life, have seen this crippled man and now he's healed. Um, they cannot help speaking about what they had seen and heard. See, Christian people, like Peter and John, cannot accept any demand to stop this thing from spreading. We cannot accept it. Cannot accept it. And if our society should start developing, or start to develop, even in its legislation, in various ways, and it certainly does in informal ways, or expresses the desire to stop this thing from spreading, we cannot submit to it. We cannot. It's actually the purpose and will of God that this thing spread. The life-giving gospel of the living Lord Jesus spread. The call of God for people to come into his family and be made clean, to be forgiven, to be friends with God. Now, what does that say about the human heart? That the human heart rises up and wants to stop this thing from spreading. Let's finish up by reading this final section. We didn't read it before. Uh, I've entitled it on your outline, The Gospel, Persecution and Prayer. Uh, but as we read these verses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to try to see the big picture. I want you to take a step back all right, and see the big picture. Get the full perspective if you can. So Peter, verse 23 tells us that Peter and John go back to the other Christians and they report all that was said and done. And then they pray. So I want you to listen to the prayer 
and think again about persecution and opposition. Can you do that? And think broadly about it. Think about what's to come in, for these Christians too. Remember, for the next, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years, think about what's to come for their lives as they gather together as the early church. Think about what's coming their way in terms of persecution and opposition. They don't know it yet, but they know it's coming and they're feeling it now. But then I want you to think too about opposition you face to the gospel. Uh, you know, 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, In fact, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if we live a godly life, you, you know you're going to be persecuted. You're going to face opposition if you live a godly life. I guess it does make us think, am I being opposed now? Am I being persecuted now? Well, the question we must ask is perhaps I'm not living a godly life and no one notices. And so I'm, well, no one's opposing me because I'm not speaking about Jesus. Lots to think about there in this, these next few verses to, to read. Um, so think about the opposition you might face, perhaps with friends or work or in society, uh, the opposition to the gospel of Jesus. Okay, ready? Let's notice first, though, in verse 24, whose gospel is it? Verse 24. When they heard this, this is the people, the little church gathering together there, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. It's got to be where you start, isn't it? That's got to be where you start. And we're thinking about persecution and opposition. That's where you start. That's where we start when we think about how will we react to opposition to the gospel, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's a society in general. That's where we start. Sovereign Lord, the one who is being opposed is this one. If this one described in verse 24, that's the one being opposed. He's the sovereign Lord who made everything. So really, it's a simple question, isn't it? Whose side are you going to be on? Whose side are you going to be on? On his side? Or are you going to submit to those who oppose him? Let's read this prayer. And they, they quote Psalm 2. Verse 25, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David, uh, servant our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people in, of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with greater boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders. Oh, so I'll read that again in verse 30. Actually, really should read, while you stretch out your hand and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Let's notice first what they don't pray for. What are they, what are they not praying for? They don't pray for equal rights. Hear that? I won't find it. They didn't pray for equality. They didn't pray for things to be fair for Christians. Didn't pray for that. No, no, they pray that we speak, that Christians speak God's word with great boldness. That's what they prayed for. And friends, this must be our prayer as well. Well, let's see what happened. 
There was a great work of the Holy Spirit, uh, verse 31, and after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You speak the word of God boldly. Let's pray for that same work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The work that we need, the work that we long for, the work that we desire, the Spirit's work in us to see in our own lives, to speak the word of God, to speak of Jesus boldly even when opposition comes our way. How about I pray and ask God to help us to do that. I'll ask him to fill us with his spirit. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word today. We do ask God that you would help us to fill us with your spirit so that we speak your word boldly. We thank you, Lord God, for, um, uh, for the gospel, for the life-giving message it is, that as we put our trust in you, that we can be saved. Lord, we know there's no other name that can save us, only in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you give us that boldness when we speak to friends and family, uh, when society puts more and more pressure on Christians to just toe the line of the rest of society. Lord, may we not do that. May we continue to be um, uh, strengthened by, by your word and the truth of your gospel. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.